Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Talking Power Podcast, episode 107, and uh, back in the studio, we're all refreshed. Interesting story we saw come out probably a couple of weeks ago now, we haven't had a chance to talk about it, but Ferrari's looking into the hypercar entry for two, uh, 2023. This has been very interesting, it's it's a shift in Ferrari's thinking since the 60s. They The last time Ferrari actually won outright in Le Mans was 1965 and the last time they competed in the outright competition at, at Le Mans was in 1973 so Six, it's a real 65 65 what did I say no 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 but wasn't that a very controversial year for it was, it was 250 LM that's right yes, yes. which exactly. which actually wasn't a GT car no yes. and they were competing correct me if I'm wrong here they were competing with the uh, the Shelby improved yes GT40, yep. yes, and uh, and they won that year. The Ferrari won, yes, yeah. and yes. in '66, the uh, Shelby '67, Shelby '68, <laughs> the Shelby, yeah. and then and then after that, I think it was a domination of the Porsche 917. Yeah, well, we yeah, never saw a Ferrari win after that. The last time they competed outright was in in '73. Yeah. So it's a real change in, in, in we've seen the development come right off the boil in Formula One. I mean, their their Formula One efforts in the last few years haven't been great. But is this a yeah? But you know, the- <laughs> I, I, look, the whole Formula One thing, right? Um, we've seen some big developments in in the last few weeks in Formula One. Mm. In particular, uh, Lewis Hamilton getting abused by Bernie Eccleston, which has, has renewed my faith in Formula <laughs> 1. Renewed my faith. Um, I think that Formula 1, under the current system, is a complete and utter joke. And, it you know, like, people are getting lost in the fanfare and forgetting that it used to be about motor racing, mm. right? It's not an electronic uh, gizmo thing that you would see on gadget man it's it's a, a motor car and there's supposed to be a driver um it's not meant to have all this crap on it hybrid rubbish it should just be an engine a transmission and a chassis uh, you know it really it, it's to me it's kind of trying to cater for a, a generation of kids that have grown up on computer games and don't actually know what real life is about mm. Yeah, um, and you know it's now. I'm not saying that Le Mans cars are any different. Uh, we saw Active Aero a few years ago nearly kill Mark Webber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you well, know. we almost saw the DRS almost kill. Um, not Magnuson, the other, the other. Jeez, uh, I can't remember his name. The guy in the um, Williams. That's right. Yeah, when the DRS remained open in the braking yeah. zone and almost killed him as well. I can't remember his name. Oh, the the wing didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah things like that fail quite often. And, yeah, um, but it's all right because they've got the thong now. So <laughs> Marcus Ericsson was his name. So they just came back to the me. thong. The <laughs> thong will protect him. The yes. halo, the halo thong, whatever it is. The single plugger. This this is a smart move as far as I'm concerned uh, for Ferrari. Yeah. Because 
you know, what do they make their bread and butter from? They don't sell Formula One cars. Now, if you go back in the history of Ferrari, they used to sell cars. Carroll Shelby raced yeah. a Ferrari. Mm. They used to sell race cars, and they would compete in whatever the category was that was the highest category at the time. And Formula One wasn't necessarily no, it wasn't. the no, highest right. category. No. There had been times when Formula Two was the highest, when mm. Formula Three was the highest. just depended on, on what was being promoted at the time. Mm. Uh, but you, you used to be able to buy those cars. Now, I hardly think that any of us could go and say, hey, listen, uh, <laughs> thinking about racing Formula One next year, can I, uh, can I buy one of those chassis off you? <laughs> You know, maybe if we were uh, trillionaires, we might be able to get an engine program. Yeah. Well, that would be a good or, idea. Or we have an energy drinkers company that somehow is having a second stab at running an F1 team. But anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Shout out to Rich Energy. <laughs> but I agree with you, Simon. I think this is a, a step in the right direction for Ferrari, and I think they see themselves in uh, WC racing yeah. as well. I think that, you know, WC is getting stronger. There's no, there's no doubt about it, and it has a huge following in Europe, and its following in the US is pretty strong as well. You know, there's a lot of events, WC events, happening over on the US continent as well. So the problem with Le Mans, the 24 hours of, of Le Mans is, you don't want to watch the race, you want to watch the shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? No one wants to sit there for 24 hours and watch a motor race. Watching. The Bathurst twelve hour is painful enough, let alone you know a twenty four. That was in my brain. I was about to say. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I've it's, been it's there. Just, no, <laughs> it's just a painful uh, thing. I mean, uh, being there, you know, might be different. A younger man, a younger <laughs> version of me, might might you know get into staying up for twenty four hours and and trying to. Um, you know, watch the whole race from start to finish, but you're not going to see a lot at night anyway. No, <laughs> no that's right. Uh, but getting into that type of racing is probably, well, in my opinion, I think it's a, it's a, a great move for them. And I think it's going to um, be good for that type of racing in general. Yep. Um, yep. And, you know, over the years, truth be known, any mark that has gone, we want to get into this and dominate it, they pretty much mm, have yeah. because everyone else will go, well, we don't want to spend that much money this year. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it comes down to. You've got two, two parts to uh, Le Mans. One is the attrition rate. Yep. You need to actually finish the race. So the best way to combat that is to have a lot of cars entered. Yep. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and the second one is, you know, how big is your checkbook? I mean, we've seen Audi diesels win it. Yeah. We've seen... Um, McLaren, I think they did it with the the F one, didn't they? I think so. Yeah, yeah, they the had the F1. long tail, yeah. the yes. long yeah, tail. Yeah, F- yeah. F1. that was a while ago. Now, yeah, 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 wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, yeah. Ford with the GT forty or the GT whatever they call yeah. it. The, the Toyota as well had a had a had a win. Yeah, the, yeah. God, that car was ugly. Yeah, it T- was. <laughs> the TS one or the one 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 or so, I can't remember. Look like a, you know what? If Denver was me, Denver will tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Look like a fishbowl with some arrow around it. <laughs> and yeah, if it was incredibly stupidly fast. I think so, yeah. I think you have to beat a win ball. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we'll keep our eyes open for that in 2023. It'll be a new segment to the podcast we can talk about coming up in 2020. Well, we can start talking about it now, I guess. Yeah. There's no reason why we can't talk. Okay, does that mean we can drop F1? 
lot of our listeners like the F1 content of our show, so... No. Yeah, they do, apparently. <laughs> it just seems like a bit of a one-horse race. Look, I'm looking... Look, we'll, we'll just quickly, briefly t- talk about F1 now, then. Sergio Perez, I'm looking forward to seeing him push... We spoke about it a few podcasts yeah. ago, but I think he's going to really push... He's going to push... Um, not just Max Verstappen along, I think he's also going to push Valtteri Bottas. We're going to see the best out of Valtteri Bottas, given the fact that now Red Bull have two strong drivers. Alex Albon, unfortunately, just didn't work out for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're going to see that with Checker in there, push those guys along, no doubt. And Max, Verstappen, Max Verstappen more than anyone, so looking forward to it. All right, look, on that note, we'll take a short break here and we'll be back with more right after this. Okay, episode 107 of the Talk and Power podcast. One of my favourite subjects is the Toyota Land Cruiser. I, <laughs> I have... Uh, it's, it's an amazing car when you think about it. I personally don't... will probably never get one myself, I, I, I'm, but I'm a bit different. But I was I, hoping I, you were, you were going to say, I personally don't get it. <laughs> That's what I was hoping about. I said I don't think I'll ever get one because it's... It's not, but you see that many of them running around yeah. town now, it, and their sales figures are absolutely unbelievable. I'm just going to read out their sales figures here. Um, so they're up 16% on the month before. So February sales, uh, 1,326, 200 series were sold, and that's 16% up on the month before, and almost 50% up on year to date. So that, that puts the Land Cruiser on 15,000 sales for, for a roll in 12 months. That, that is incredible figures for a car that starts at really just under $100,000. Yeah. Mm. Even mm. the VX, I think, is now 95, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So this is the wagon and the U t- together. Yeah. These figures, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, I just... I, I don't really understand people are buying... No. Got a bit, well, you know, like for a hundred grand, there is so many better cars that you could buy. You know, like have you seen? You guys seen the new Mercedes four wheel drive? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it is an absolutely magnificent, you know, piece of machinery. Now, I've had people come to me and go, "Yeah, I completely agree with you." Uh, the Dodge Ram. No, no. Sorry. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I know someone that just bought two of those. Yeah. And well, they were quite happy that they paid less than Toyota Land Cruiser and they can have the car in a month. It, yeah, but it's still, anyway, you know, out. whether it's got... Not a new listener. wasn't your listener. Sorry. Whether it's, <laughs> whether, it's got, whether it's got a Hemi or a Cummins in it, um, it's ugly. <laughs> but you're not a big fan it, of American trucks, are you? yourself look i think that the um the tradition of the f truck is you know is strong right but unfortunately all the rest we're always just following in its shadow yeah and and always will be unfortunately um we've built a dodge ram for a customer it was a beautiful truck when we finished uh, anything like that i don't know what the 1500s like but the 2500s got a live axle in the front 
So anything that's got a live axle in it is going to react like a live axle. So in terms of cars... The 1500 does as well. Excellent. Yeah, it does. So, so, so yeah. in terms of a live axle, okay, um, most manufacturers stop doing that around 1930. <laughs> <laughs> some, some kept it going, you know, 1940 around there. But by the 60s, well and truly everyone had gone... This is not really a good handling thing. So yeah. to think that they're still making vehicles 2021 with a live axle. At the front, let's just specify, at the front. At the front and at the back. At the but, back but too. The, the front is the one that steers the car. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. And when you have a panard rod and, and, and a forward-facing, yeah, you yeah. know, it's not a trailing arm, it's a leading arm suspension. It's like, dude, really? I'm pretty 20? sure the 1500 has got a live. I saw, yeah. yeah. Don't know. I don't know. I'm I don't pretty know. sure it does. Look, if you want to, if you want to go mad and, and roll coal, right? Um, you know, your Cummins powered Dodge Ram. Yeah. That's that's the truck to do it. But you know, you also need to realise that uh, the boys from Diesel Brothers got fined one and a half million dollars or something yeah. for, and for doing never, it. They're never allowed to sell another car again. No, no, no. They're never allowed to work on the exhaust system oh, of a car. That was the, the uh, EPA. And if you notice their, their show, at the end of it, it, there's this big spiel about do not modify. It's got to have EPA standards, blah, 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 at the end of the I show. I don't watch so. their show anymore because I think they're... Oh. Oh, it's fun. I don't mind. It's a fun yeah. show. No, it used to be show fun the first, like, two seasons, and now I'm just like... Uh. Eh. Anyway. Anyway. So if you're going to buy a four-wheel drive for that reason, um, then, you know, that's an exceptional vehicle to buy. And, uh, you know, we, we facilitate Cummins conversions to other vehicles. Mm. Um, Cummins engines... Are, anyone that knows me well from my trucking days knows that I rave about the, the old N14 Cummins. The Signature Series, not so much, but... but <laughs> But, you know, I've always been a big fan of the Cummins engine. So, uh, and it is a Cummins, it is a real Cummins engine. Uh, the Hemi deal, well, I love Hemis, right? So powertrain-wise, I think they're great. I just think they've always been, like from the first Dodge Ram to the current one, like really <laughs> ugly. The front, it looks like they drove it into a brick wall. Yeah, I, I personally, the Mercedes was very impressive. I'm not a big fan of the Volkswagen, but... We got a lot of customers that have got the Volkswagen. Another, you know, exceptional uh, four-wheel drive, oh, and the, the towing on those is just phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And and the thing is, when you drive in one of those, they're nice to drive. Yeah, but the interior, you feel like you're about to invade Europe. You feel like what? You're about to invade Europe. They're very boring, <laughs> and they're just to the point. You can't wait to get there and go, I'm here, let's I think, get out. I think it depends <laughs> on which model because the one that I went for a ride in, it was, it was pretty... Oh, well, the, you know, the entry-level models. And, and, then, you know, and then you start heading into that, you know, the Range Rovers. And, and I know that their prices go up, but I tell you what, the new 300 series, mm. I'm curious what a 300 series Sahara is going to cost. But do you think they've done themselves any favours by going down to a 3.3-litre six-cylinder now? Is that the selling? Is that the pitch on the two hundred series? No, I, I mean no, the, the pitch on the two hundred is a V eight. Yeah, and, so, and, and, and the people, twin turbo V eight. Yeah, that sounds like everyone I know. I don't know about you guys, but everyone I know that's got a two hundred series, I've got a lot of mates that have got them. Yep, has put an exhaust on it. Yeah, actually, and I love that V eight. No, that, I know. You know, like oh yeah. I know other people that haven't actually put exhaust on them. But haven't? They, no, they haven't. But. 
when you bury it, they still have that thong sound. Like, even from the factory, they have that big thongy diesel V8. V8. And the power that a um, couple of the workshops that we do work for, the yeah. power they're getting out of them is phenomenal. So what do we think this, this six... Is that going to be their downfall, the, the 300 series? Or just But I think that we go... Oh, they use them in the mines. But the, the one that was successful in the mines, um, you would not want to drive that ever, not no. let alone as a daily, because they were a leaf spring, you know, bucket of crap. I was about to say, I've actually driven one of those on a mine site back when I was a surveyor. Yeah, and, and they're terrible. They, I, it may have had an incident with a fence because it just... Yeah. Yeah, so, so anyway. <laughs> the thing is, though, mechanically... That engine, that old one one HZE, yeah, yeah, HZ, some one something or other, it was bulletproof. You could drive it underwater, yeah. you know, as long as the snorkel was out, and it, it just kept on going. You could actually put the wrong fuel in it, drive it for about twenty k's until it went. I've got the wrong fuel. <laughs> pump the tank out, put diesel in it, and then it would be like, yeah, good. Yeah, they they were a bulletproof. <laughs> they were a bulletproof motor. Um, you know, but here's the thing, right? Here's the reality of the whole Land Cruiser legacy. You get up to the 80 series. So the 80 series is affordable for people like us. Mm, right? not yeah. maybe, maybe not post-COVID, but prior to COVID. <laughs> actually, yeah. they haven't quite gone stupid, quite. Right. So, well, we've got a lot of customers that have got the 80 series, right? And some of them have that, there's a killer motor. I think they call it the, the twin cam or there's- the... the there's a killer petrol and there's a killer diesel motor. HDTE? Yeah, there's like... a one HD something. Anyway, so yeah. there's a killer motor. One of our customers has got one that runs 12s. Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's super quick, okay? But it doesn't have a Toyota gearbox. <laughs> it has a Nissan gearbox in it out of a patrol, right? And he was developing a diff center for it that took nine-inch gears, Right? Well, he's abandoned that project and he's made arms that take Nissan Patrol diffs. Oh, jeez. Jeez, sacrilege. <laughs> so, and, and if you talk to anyone that gets serious with an 80 series, that, that you know, he's doing yeah. really, really radical stuff with it, they put Nissan diffs in it. Yeah, I you know that. Yeah. Right? The manual in the 80 series, one, a personal friend of ours... Uh, he has popped several, several of those, yeah. and I'm actually building him four LADE um, to go into that because he's, he's he's done with it, you know. So the legacy from the mine vehicle to the popularity vehicle, because the eighty series was very popular. Yeah, it was. It, yeah. it was very very popular, and you know what? It's a bloody good looking four wheel drive. There's no yeah. no doubt about it. Like when you put it next to the the, the patrol. Of not, the same era, well, yeah. not yeah. They're not the model after. They they look pretty much like an eighty series, the model after. But yeah. the model of exactly when that came out, that looks like the cardboard box yes. that the eighty series yeah. came in. You know what I mean? Like it, it beautiful. The eighty series was a revolution in terms of styling for four wheel mm. drive. They went, maybe we don't need to make them that ugly, you know, because everything leading up to it. And this is the thing why. I never understood why when they had such a pretty shape for that, they kept the troopy and all of those. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really reluctant to change the troopy and the, the, the tray back uh, utes. Looking like a pile of crap. 
right up to now. Yeah. You know, it still looks like a 1940s Jeep. The guards have finally disappeared off them, but like yeah. the guards finally have gone. But yeah, you're right. There's still <laughs> so the overall so shape. So I'd, I'd rather buy the Nissan Patrol, the 4.2 diesel. So, so here's the thing. But that's that, another thing that's gone through the roof. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh. And, 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 you know, when, when we... Because we, Land Cruisers with the A440 transmission, right, have traditionally uh, been plagued with automatic transmission problems. And when customers come in and say, you know, this is what I've got, we've, we've done some speaky torque converters for them, right? And I think that if you treat them properly you can get the A440 to work pretty good. You know, you've got to have the cable adjusted right if it's a cable type, etc. blah, blah, blah. Um, but when they come in and they start telling me, you know, they're doing this and that and they, you know, what, what, what's your opinion, Gons? What do you think? What do you think I should do? You should sell it and buy a patrol. That's, that's what you should do. You should get a, a GU with a 4.2 turbo yeah. diesel um, with the automatic. It's got better diffs. It's got a better transmission. Um, you know, the motor... It's debatable, but if you buy a genuine turbo one, I think it's not a bad motor either, mm. you know. Um, the later model stuff, when they went to the V8, that motor's a killer motor. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've seen them in, in bits. We do a bit of work from Jim from Boosted Diesels and uh, G-Turbo as well. And, yeah, they're a stout motor. They are definitely a stout motor. Um, the, there's one out of that whole series that I can kind of look at it sideways and go when they're done right, when they've got the big 35s on them and so on. And that's the, the four-door version. I think it's yeah. called a 75 or 76. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Something like that. There's yeah. a lot of them getting around now, but... Yeah, it? but they kind of like... I could I could buy one of them if they weren't a million dollars. Yeah. You know, if that was a, a $50,000, $60,000 four-wheel drive, I'd yep. go, that's that's a cool gig. Mm. But it's like a $100,000 four-wheel yeah. drive. Yeah. And when you're spending $100,000 on a car... You know, it opens up what you can buy. Yeah, you know so what I mean. Does. Yeah, um, and yeah, Mercedes made that conscious decision of building a four-door Ute because there were people buying the the, yeah. the wagon that you know, which is not really designed to carry tools in it, and converting it to to a proper tradies yeah. Ute because they're going well. You know, if I'm going to spend three hundred grand on a bloody Land Cruiser. Might as well buy one of these, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and they're still reasonably priced. Like, but I thought Mercedes got out of the Ute. I think they're finished in Australia. Oh, oh maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they sure are. That's, that's done. The yeah, Volkswagen's, uh, yeah. you know, definitely a... Uh, that is a good platform, the Volkswagen. It'll be interesting to see what Ford do, because there is talk that the Ford and Ford Ranger will share its platform yeah. with the Amarok. With the Amarok. Yep, yeah. in, in two years' time. That could be make or break for Ford in Australia. Because if that fails, if that fails, oh. and the public don't accept... The Ranger. Oh, the Ranger. God. They are... <laughs> that's the only thing that keeps Ford in this country. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it in those terms, you know, the Land Cruiser is the obvious, you know, and unfortunately the, the new Patrol, the Patrol had a bad run with the five-speed oh, version. Yeah. That, that wasn't a, a big success. And the new one is you know you can tell they made that for the american market yeah but it's only available in petrol as well the petrol yeah. and that's just lunacy yeah but it, you can tell it was made for the american yeah, market yeah. and how ironic how well would the nissan patrol have done in america 
it would have like the previous models oh yeah definitely it would have you know especially the short wheelbase guys yeah. would have gone oh it's like a bronco uh, yeah. yeah you know what i mean yeah um you know and can you imagine if those things if they'd sold millions of them in america what people would be doing now ls conversions and yeah you know they probably did better in the Infinity market than what they did in the yeah. Nissan market because they, no, they, they never released the Patrol there until this model. Yeah, yeah, this model. But I think the but, Infinity but sales. Are you go to the Arab countries. Oh my God! They're a dollar they're, a dozen. Yeah, but they're they're like uh, you know some sort of religious thing. Yeah, the, yeah. The Patrol. They would. You never see a, a Toyota Land Cruiser in one of those sand bloody drags yeah. or you know. Yeah, yeah, you know no. what I mean. It's they're all short wheelbase patrols. That's it, all of them. <laughs> Running what is it? The T TB forty eight or something? I think it is. Some guys run then, but but most of the hard hitters have either got some radical diesel that I don't know comes out of a locomotive or something, <laughs> yeah. or um, uh, like big nitrous. 3,000 horsepower nitrous motors in that. Yeah. And they're running them through the Nissan diffs still. That's the, that's the crazy bit. <laughs> well, I, oh, it was many years ago, I, uh, Todd Wilkinson, oh, the Wilkinson suspension. Yeah, yeah, he, he went hard on a, a petrol. Uh, yeah, I think it was a TB48, yeah. memory. Um, that thing was... It's still around, I think. Yeah, I think he got rid of it, maybe. But maybe, maybe. It was ridiculous. But, but you know what? It's funny you should mention that because we've started to get an influx of people modifying those and turbocharging them just recently it's like they've they've only just discovered them i remember you know like god uh, how many years ago must be 10 years ago now going i wonder why no one's done one of those well my neighbor rb'd his nissan patrol well they yeah. were they did come out with an rb30 his his, yeah. his didn't but he he uh rb'd it again so. actually toddy wilco before he built the tb48 one he had a rb26 one when you could buy an RB26 for a thousand bucks off a guy in <laughs> yeah. the Quokka. Yeah, <laughs> not right. anymore. <laughs> and like how I owed him like 15 grand. I mean, I'm going back 10, 10 years and that was still a lot of money, but still. Yeah, well, this that, one got done about 10 years ago oh, as well. Um, and I, it was I, great I, fun to drive. I think Nissan <laughs> missed the boat not yeah. selling him in America. They should have pumped it mm. in America and... and um, it would be a different story now. Mm. And, yeah, I, I don't know why they didn't pump them in the mines over here. I guess that, you know, um, yeah. Probably a safety star. You, you know, I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. I believe that their the, uh, success in the mines is also because there are companies like the Pilgrim Motor Group that sell a complete package. Mm. Yeah. So it meets all the mines' requirements um, they build the trays in-house. They do all of the preparation, the seat covers. They fit them with uh, um, special suspensions. You see them uh, lined up, you know, getting the, the, the uh, springs and shocks and so yeah. on fitted. And, and I think that makes it easy for the purchasing officer at the mines to go, well, you know, we just buy it through them. You know? yeah. Yeah. I don't know if many companies have... But the, the problem with that is then everyone thinks, oh, they're, they're a brilliant mine four-wheel drive. How much of it's still left um, is debatable. Mm. Well, it's you actually know. funny you should mention that I have some friends that work in the car transport industry. And at the moment, the joke is they are bringing home so many land cruisers from mine sites. They're getting, I won't name the car yard, but they're getting cleaned up chucked on the showroom floor and they're adding the 20 30 
40 grand. Yeah, 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 I believe it. I yeah, believe yeah, it. And yeah. they cannot bring and, them back and you fast know, enough. I, I can tell you now, I know of one company that all they do, all they do is rebuild Land Cruiser. Uh, in fact, I'll go as far as to say two companies that all they do is rebuild trans- transmissions, manual transmissions yeah. for Land Cruisers for mine sites. Mm. Um, which, you know, you'd love to get uh, someone that manages a mine on and say, are they really that good? Yeah. <laughs> like, seems like they generate a lot of work for West Australians, but <laughs> has its own its, its own economy in West Australia. Yeah, yeah, the Toyota Land Cruiser economy. Yeah, no, maybe that's Kirkup <laughs> should have run yeah. with that one. Yeah, <laughs> we're keeping Land Cruisers. <laughs> hey, on that note, we'll take a short break here, and we'll be back with more right after this. Um, Big Chief, funnily enough, is now using a lock-up torque converter. Mm-hmm. Now, he's banging on and on in the show about well, lock-up torque converters, not many people over here use them, aren't like carrying on like they're... Not many people we in America. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I'm putting you on the spot. Short version of how a lock-up torque converter works. It has a series of clutches inside it, not, not a lot different to... Uh, the clutches in the transmission or the clutches in a motorcycle or, yep. or, or even the clutch in your manual car and uh, the hydraulic circuit which is separate to so that normally oil goes in and out of a torque converter primarily for the cooling yep the pressure has an effect on the stall speed yep. um, but that's like a bit of a you know tightly kept secret among the tuners <laughs> yep. that the you know what pressure does and bleeding the pressure and so on and so forth uh, but this is a separate part of the torque converter that has a series of clutches and it's activated hydraulically by some means and effectively you can make it slip less or you can make it lock up 100 percent thank you. you can pulse yep. the solenoid you can manipulate it now it's interesting that you bring this up because the original door slammer rules in this country yep. uh, said you could have a three-speed planetary type transmission. That was, that was the, the wording, right? And uh, when the lockup clutches, as in a manual, were allowed in, it, it specifically stated that it could be activated once. It has a specific size for the airline that you have to use, right? So, and it had to be an effectively on or off activation. So you could bring it on whenever you wanted, but once it was on, it was on, mm. right? Now, when you look at a data log, when you activate a lockup, um, just like when you shift gears, you'll see a spike in the G meter. Um, if you can get lots of little spikes, you will go quicker because forgetting the rest of the car let's pretend the car doesn't exist and it's just the data logger flying down the track by itself <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, the higher the average g's the quicker the car goes right yeah so when for whatever reason whoever whatever however it happened they allowed these five speed non-planetary type transmissions tapered dog transmissions uh, which I like what a pro stock car would run with a torque converter with a lockup. We were already, you know, opening the floodgates. Then the next step was how you manipulate that clutch because 
you haven't got a set of rules that says it needs to be an airline this size and this, that and the other. Um, the argument is that it's not locked up until it reaches 0% slip. So they were pulsing uh. the solenoids till it got to 98% uh. and then releasing it, shifting the next gear and then pulsing the solenoids till it got to 98 shifting it. Now, to make that happen, you've got some sort of reactive control, which we all know is illegal, yep. like traction control. Yeah. Something, you know. So um, it would explain some of the numbers because when you look at a class like Door Slammer, 20, 30 years ago, you know, pretty much everyone just bought whatever, bolted it together and, and sent it, as opposed to pro stock, where 20, 30 years ago, you bought a pro stock cylinder head, it didn't even have a port in it. There was kind of a hole there <laughs> suggesting that you should possibly port <laughs> somewhere around there and the valve should go roughly there. Uh, but you had to physically put the guides in, you know, the seats in, cut the port. And this was before the days of CNC porting, um, which guys like Jim Bell, yeah. who would have heard of Jim Bell, NASCAR, etc., would have rows and rows that would do one section of the port. Um, you know, and they were effectively the, the equivalent of CNC mm -hmm. machines. So, so we didn't used to do that in Door Slammer. But then you take someone like John Zapier, who is forever searching for another horsepower, you know, another 10,000th of a second, another 0 0.01 of a mile an hour. Um, and it's, it's hard to believe with the amount of R&D that that guy's done that anyone could come along and just suddenly run fast because, you know, that motor, uh, it's constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, he, like if I was going to start again, I'd buy a motor off of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd just go, can I have something close to yours? <laughs> you know? um, so that's how the lockup deal works. Yeah. Uh, is it legal? Is it not legal? NHRA uh, pro-modified, you are limited to a three-speed planetary-type transmission, right? That's it. Um, there was, uh, I think at one stage, they may have allowed the lockup for the nitrous oxide cars. Mm -hmm. uh, they may possibly um, still do. I, I've kind of always just looked at the, you know, supercharger yeah. rules because that's, that's the part of the class that you know interests me the most i guess um but yeah that that's how they work and yeah it, it is so in australia at the moment <clears throat> obviously non-sanctioned uh, events you know whatever their their rules are i don't think they really have many rules yeah uh, but as far as our drag racing our traditional andra drag racing group two is not allowed lockups right so it doesn't matter if it's turbo 400 or Elenco or whatever you're not allowed to run a lockup um, group one door slammer is allowed a lockup, but it is supposed to be a one activation deal. Um, yeah, you can do some amazing things. And I remember the first time we ran the car, um, you know, there was one other guy that was running a, a, a converter and he had either switched to a clutch or was in the process of switching to a clutch. That was Matt Abel. Mm -hmm. And um, we came out with a car that was nearly 3,100 pounds. So, you know, basically 400 pounds overweight, um, you know, 300, 300 pounds over, which for those that don't know, 100 pounds is a tenth of a second pretty much mathematically for drag racing. 
and uh, we went 659, 227 mile an hour on the first pass. And, and the reason it was so overweight is because we had a starter motor on board, we had two full-size car batteries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've tested between a three-speed and a two-speed um, on, a, on a variety of vehicles, and there's about a tenth and a half um, when, when you, you get the max out of everything. There's about a tenth of a half in it. You start introducing lock-ups and five-speed transmissions, and it just keeps going. And the advantage you've got with those types of transmissions, and this is why the planetary rule is very important. With a planetary type transmission, each section of the planetary, so each gear, is its own ratio. So as you add another gear to it, the ratio becomes lower, right? So 1.25 is effectively the, the tallest gear ratio you can get for like a Lenko. I'm not sure about the B&J, but I think it's around the same. So you end up with like a 155 first gear, right? You put another gear pack on there, and the ratio is starting to get too low, low to be manageable. Yep. With those Liberty type transmissions, where they have uh, a gear cluster like a regular manual, yep. you can make the ratios whatever you want. You could have a half a ratio split between one gear to the next. So it, it really it allows you to put all these gears really close together, like you would on a circuit car. Yeah. You know, you change on a circuit car. You, you pinpoint where you want to be in the gears for what corner and where you want to be on on the red line at the end of the straight and you set it like that well you can effectively do the same with those cars mm. so yeah I, I mean but yeah, as far as saying making that comment not many people are running it maybe on the street yes. maybe yeah um but you know i'd say if you're an m&m customer or, or a cohen customer good chance you got to lock up in there yeah a lot of that is scripted, but Todd as well. I think. They're, yeah, they're I know that, but it's still it was the, um, the, the tech it talks. Interesting. The tech talks are very scripted because yeah. quite often when they're talking, I'm thinking, if you know that, how come you're not doing it with your own car? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Anyway, interesting. Uh, we chatted a lot about Street Outlaws with Luke on the last episode, so oh, we well, get back yeah. and have a listen to that. Head to our website as well. Uh, we're trying to focus on more editorials, feature stories, <laughs> and general stories. So there's a couple of stories up there. Go back and have a read and look at the photos. And, um, yeah. All right, guys, we'll wrap this one up, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. See you, Nick. See you. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.